the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860, The Answer. My mama told me, she said, son, be beware. There's thing called love, and it's uh, everywhere. As she told me, it can break the And I'm on. This is Dr. Bill. I've got Ken at my side here, and we're putting on a Mother's Day special, everybody. So I'm really excited because, you know, I love talking about my mother. I'm sure most of us do. And uh, the background picture for the live feed on uh, on uh, social media Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, whatever I'm on, uh, is my mother and I dancing, and she must have been, oh, I'm, I'm guessing she was in her 70s then after she retired. And so I'll be moving in and out of the uh, center of the of the video if you're watching us live. And if, if you're just listening, you probably won't hear me moving, but I am. So at any rate, my mother, Catherine Cecilia Bonarowski, uh, she was born in uh, in Steubenville, Ohio. And Steubenville was named after Frederick von Steuben. Von Steuben was a Prussian military officer who left the uh, military in, in Prussia when he was a captain uh, under circumstances we don't know. And so the French ambassador to, or the French uh, ambassador to the American delegation in Paris recommended von Steuben to come over and help then General Washington uh, get the Continental Army into shape. And so uh, von Steuben was looking for work, and Washington said, yeah, and uh, on Adams and Jefferson's recommendation, over he came. And he uh, came to Valley Forge uh, late in the winter, early spring, when they were in desperate times. And you know the story of of, uh, Valley Forge, where People were starving and, and freezing, and they were shoeless. And uh, the Americans, Ken, were uh, a little bit uncivilized in comparison to some of the European countries. And the the, uh, the hygiene was poor. They didn't have the latrines and, and the eating areas separated. And uh, it was pretty filthy. And uh, they were not well trained, not well drilled. And so von Steuben came in, and he he, he uh, drilled the men, and he got them into shape, and he taught them the latest firing and reloading techniques and close-quarter marching, and uh, he separated out the latrines from the eating areas and made them clean up and uh, gave the Continental Army a new confidence and, and a new outlook, and it became a professional army because of von Steuben. So von Steuben uh, was a great guy, and he became an American citizen. I think he died in New York. And uh, he, he was one of the heroes of our Revolutionary War. Now, there was a fort that was established on the Ohio River, on the Ohio side, 
in what is now Steubenville, and the fort was Fort von Steuben. And so the city was was formally uh, incorporated in the 1790s, and it was the only city west of the Appalachians that President Washington visited. So it, it's been touched by fame and history. And uh, von Steuben, of course, has given his name to it. And so Steubenville was where my mother was born. And she was born, I don't know, 1910, 11, 1909. You know, women, they lie about their age. So we never really knew for sure. <laughs> so, but, you know, that's okay. We still love her. And uh, guess who else was born there? Who else? Dean Martin. Really? Oh, love Dean. So, so the three famous names associated with, uh, with Steubenville are my mother's, Catherine Cecilia Bonarowski who was the valedictorian of her small high school class there. And uh, Dean Martin, who dropped out of the high school, Steubenville, he was born, he was about, I think, five years younger than mom. So she was already out of high school when he was there. And he dropped out after his sophomore year, I believe. He, You know, Dean was was a pretty, uh, pretty self-confident guy, and he did all kinds of crazy stuff. He was a croupier, and he was a... A rum runner, and he—he he he was, he was a boxer for a while. He was boxer he was a for a boxer, while. Boxer, yeah. he and his roommate would put on bare knuckle boxing fights when they lived in New York to make a little extra money. <laughs> That's a hard way to make some money, man. <laughs> That's right. And then they'd go till one of them was knocked out. Can oh, you man. believe that? <laughs> but he ended up doing okay. He did very well. He was one of the great. Uh, comedians, actors, performers of the 20th century. I loved his television show back in the 60s. Oh, yeah. It's so, and, so funny. And, you know, my mother's only regret was that she didn't go to Hollywood and become an actress. So, <laughs> With everything she accomplished, really. I, you know, but, you know, we, we always think that we could do something else and uh, have a little better life. And uh, I guess if she had gone to uh, Hollywood, she wouldn't have to deal would not have had to deal with my father and, of course, raise me, which was, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sure, a bittersweet experience. Oh, I'm sure she was very proud of you. Because he was a dog, and, and, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason for the song this morning, guys, is, and by the way, my mom's in the background here on, on the uh, streaming live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitch, and I'll move in and out of the screen so you can see her face, and we're... We're dancing, and that must have been, gosh, in the 1980s. I think she was in her 70s then. And uh, she was a little wisp of a thing. I think she barely pushed five feet tall. And uh, so she told me when I hit adolescence, and, of course, I was a little, I don't know, if it, is it appropriate to say uh, oversexed? Is that in <laughs> is that inappropriate on the show? Uh, I think... Um... Frisky. How about frisky? Frisky. Frisky would be better. And, you know, I'm, a lot of testosterone, acne. and Well, you're a muscle, teenager, so, you know. Muscles bulging. And, by the way, you know, if your testosterone levels are real high when you're a young teenager, it closes your growth plates early and you're shorter. Did you know that? I had no idea. Yeah. So I probably could have been six one or 2 because my mother's brothers were all tall guys, but I inherited my father's high testosterone levels and his doggish ways. And so mother would say to me, Billy, you better be careful because those girls will find out that your parents are doctors and they'll try to get pregnant by you. And she told me that multiple times. 
course, I'm thinking, what? <laughs> you know, what does this mean? <laughs> Other was right. My mama done told me. That's right, exactly. Listen to your music. Your music knows. <laughs> the music is, is accurate. And so, uh, at any rate, I actually was a father at a young age and had a beautiful daughter, and she's now a Ph.D. and uh, on staff at the University of Kentucky in Lexington. And very proud of her, of course. But my mother, oh, my gosh, my mother, what a woman, what a woman. But we'll go into that a little bit more. But first I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about what's going on over in the uh, in the Pacific area. And, you know, the Australians, they're pushing back on the Chinese. The Chinese are cranking up and, and, and trying to tell everybody that you can't recognize Taiwan because it belongs to us. And everybody's pushing back and saying, wait a minute, they've been an independent country since the revolution ended in 1948 or nine or whenever it was. And Taiwan's right off the coast of Southern China. And it's right there in the, uh, in the South China Sea area. South China Sea, as you know, is surrounded by uh, Taiwan, the Philippines, Vietnam, Indonesia, uh, tip of, uh, of uh, Malaysia and uh, also the uh, the um, Singapore and the, the Philippines, I believe, are on the southern edge of that. They are on the eastern eastern edge, okay. southeast, and and then uh, a little uh, little Taiwan is at the northern tip of it, and Vietnam is on the on the west, and Indonesia is on the south, and then you have all the little islands, including Palau, which we'll talk about in a minute. But there, there's a, a port in uh, Australia. It's called Darwin. It's on the very northern tip of Australia, in central Australia, uh, in, the, in the state of, uh, I forget the name of that state, NT, New Tasmania or something, who knows. At any rate, so it's in the northern state there. And it was a big port during uh, World War II, you know, the, and it was bombed during World War II by the Japanese. <laughs> they actually flew in there and dropped some bombs on on the Australians and the Americans that were setting up camp and getting ready to uh, start island hopping from the south up. I think that was Doug MacArthur's command that he he worked his way from right. the south up, and uh, yeah. Nimitz worked his way from from. Uh, he came the, from the west, more east, took more of an yeah, eastern. Yeah, he went yeah. east. He did. The, he did the island hopping towards he did Japan. The, uh, well, they, you well, know, they they all did some island hopping just. Yeah. Uh, MacArthur got the bigger islands. He was bound to return, so he did. And he did. Yes. <laughs> and he, he got them, baby. Though there so, are many who say he, it was a waste of time and lives. Well, there are those who say that, but, you know, it was a great PR experience and uh, gave him an opportunity to run for president, but nobody wanted him. <laughs> <laughs> well, we needed heroes then, and he was one of them. So He was one of them. And uh, now we got Joe Biden. He's our hero now. Okay. And so Darwin has, uh, they, they worked out a, the state that, that Darwin is in, worked out a deal with the Chinese, and for half a billion dollars, they've leased uh, some commercial aspects of the port of Darwin to the Chinese. And now the central government's saying, you know, we're not sure that was a good idea. And so they're starting to back away from that, and they want to end the lease. And, of course, the Chinese are going to push back and say, well, if you do that, then we're not going to let you do this. And China's got a lot of investments in Australia, so they could they could hurt Australia. But, of course, Australia is uh, uh, a very critical geopolitical country. And even though the population isn't huge, you know, it, it's 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 full of resources and it's strategically placed. So 
And then you've got the little island of Palau, which is sort of north, a little bit northeast of, of uh, Darwin on the other side of New Guinea. Uh, and so if you drew a line from Hawaii to uh, Palau and then back to North America, it would hit the Baja Peninsula. And it's, gosh, I forget how many thousands of miles. It's six or 7,000 miles from, uh, from the United States. Let me see. I got that somewhere here. At any rate, it's a far way away, say 7,000 miles. It's a long swim. Yeah. It's a long swim. Now, <clears throat> the Chinese had been playing kissy face with, with uh, Palau. And uh, th- their president now is actually a guy who grew up in the United States and moved over there and renounced his citizenship, became a senator there. And now he's, uh, he's the president, and his name is Whip, W-H-I-P-P. So, of course, you know, he's friendly with the United States. And so they were playing kissy face and... Uh, you know, the Chinese were dropping a lot of yuans on them and allowing uh, Chinese to, to to be tourists in, in Palau. And I think they got as high as 70 or 80,000 tourists a year in a little country of 20,000, kind of like Florida. You know, we're, what, 22 million and we swell to 100 million during the tourist season. And that's a lot of people. <laughs> yes, it is. And they're all that's, on the road and don't know what they're doing. So, <laughs> yeah. One of them ran me over. My Can God. we please use a turning signal once in a while? Thank you. That's my, <laughs> that's, that's my public service announcement for the day. Just give it a shot. You might, I might told help. You, I, I told you I was talking with uh, Robert years ago. Robert is, he's kind of like the, the engineering guru for yeah, our he, local station here. He, he he's keeps a, his place going, exactly. He, he makes everything run. Uh, but he, he and I were talking about bicycling, and he said that one of his buddies – who was in the radio business, decided he'd start cycling to work. And so he was cycling on the sidewalk the first time, and some old lady jumped the curb and hit him and killed him. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we're not safe out there if we're on bicycles, guys. May not so, be the healthiest move for you. That's right. Watch out for grandma and grandpa. And I'm getting into that category. So, And I'm not very patient at the end of the day. So if you get run over by a guy in a white Ford Expedition (laughs) (laughs) yelling obscenities and rushing up and down 66th Street North, um, it might be me. But he can give you CPR, so, you know, you you might make it. If you're nice to me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you say to a neighbor that's been mean to you when they come running over and say, oh, my husband, he's in cardiac arrest. Is he going to apologize first or what? (laughs) I don't think that'll work. No, I think your uh, your oath takes over at that point. You have to go. So at any rate, so Palau says, you know what? Because uh, President Chi uh, and and all the all the gang are beating up on on President Whip and saying, you know, we don't like that you're recognizing Taiwan, you know, and we want you to stop it. And so Whip says, you know, you don't you don't make your lover fall in with in love with you by beating them. So he's mad, mm-hmm. and he said. We don't need you guys. And, you know, Palau has had more of their people in our military than any of the other little islands that are not part of our possessions, like American Samoa and Guam. So they they actually lost six people in uh, Afghanistan fighting in our forces. And so they've had a, a long-term relationship with us. In the well, we, of- we, uh, we were, that was one of the islands we freed in World War II from the Japanese. Yes, and so. we had 
we had a battle there and we lost, I don't know, 1,500 Marines and had five or 6,000 more wounded and God knows how many tens of thousands of Japanese perished. But uh, yeah, we fought for, the, for, for their people and basically the Japanese just used them like slaves. So, you know, they like us yeah. and we like them. And I think we should start going to Palau. Got great making. beaches, yeah. <laughs> yeah, beautiful little island. And so at any rate, he says to the U.S., he says, look, uh, we're already entangled militarily. Uh, you, you guys come by here every once in a while, a few hundred soldiers get off and, you know, have a little uh, little practice session and then go get drunk at the local bars. <laughs> so why don't we uh, why don't we join forces and you guys set up a bigger base here and we'll we'll use it together, which is good because you know the Philippines got mad at us a few years ago and, and told us to get out. And Duarte so they, can't be trusted. No, I don't think he can. Well, the, you know they'll come running back, but Palau's been with us for a long time now and. Uh, so now it's in it's in Biden's camp. I don't know if he's smart enough to figure out he needs more military presence there. But the ring, the, the bottom line is the ring is tightening around the South China Sea. You know, everybody's starting to lock arms. The Philippines, uh, Taiwan, and uh, Palau. And by the way, we have a, a military pact with Palau that will defend them. So if the Chinese try to invade them, we're going to go over there and help them out. Well, we hope that Biden will abide by the treaties that have been made and probably made under a Democrat anyway, but who knows? <laughs> it's possible, yeah, but I think he would. I think it's just you can't let you can't let appeasement take over with the Chinese. They will walk over everybody. You, well, yeah. You've, no, got to, that, you've got to stand up to them. I think when you're, you know, when you're the biggest kid on the block, you, you're, there's a big temptation to beat up on the little kids. And... Uh, I didn't bother doing that. I just grabbed my BB gun and shot him. <laughs> <laughs> that got him moving. <laughs> well, oftentimes when you stand up to the bully, the bully will, uh, you know, back down. He will. And But I got to tell you, my mother, she was a little shrimp of a thing. She was only five feet tall, but, boy, she she commanded respect like you wouldn't believe. So she's like tiny little Palau, which is punching way above its weight class. Uh, but, you know, in, in doing so, it's making a statement, and it's making a statement that is important to be made that even though I'm small, you're not going to push me around. I mean, if you don't stand up to a bully, guess what? They'll keep bullying. That's right. It's reinforcement. And, you know, when I was in grade school, I, I, I took this whole Jesus thing way too seriously, and I wouldn't fight in, in the second and third grade because Jesus said you're not supposed to fight. And so then all the men, my father and Father Miller and a couple other of the men, they sat me down in fourth grade and they said, Billy, you have to defend yourself. Jesus didn't mean lay down and, and be run over by a Mack truck. So then I started punching back. That was a mistake. They should have never taught me to do that. <laughs> so, you know, after I bloodied a few faces and, uh, oh, my God, I remember uh, Jimmy Jewell. He's an OBGYN in Louisville now. He's probably retired. He, he's really a good guy. But I think we were in fourth or fifth grade. Fifth grade it was. And he took my pencil. And so I came around. I was sitting behind him. And I came around from my desk and caught him right in the nose with my fist without, without getting out of my desk. You know, just a roundhouse punch. And he went down and came up with a handful of blood and oh. the teeth. Billy Handelman, what did you do? Oh, he's my pencil teacher. Go to the principal's there office. There you go. Yeah. One of many trips. I knew the path well. 
But at any rate, they should have never taught me to do that. But I did tame it down as I got older. And uh, and people probably you know, stopped picking on you. They stopped picking on me. And you know what? Uh, even though I didn't deserve it, I, I got a kind of like little tiny palau. I got a I got a reputation punching above my weight class. So that was that's sometimes that's a good thing. And, you know, they th- people say, well, you, you know, you're just a doctor's kid. You're just a little upper middle class white boy. You're spoiled. And well, take a swing, dude. And, you know, after a while that gets out. And so then people leave you alone. And so I, I think that Palau is probably doing the right thing and saying, well, look, if you're going to be a bully to us, we got this friend over here in North America who will be happy to come over and uh, be by our side when we take you on. So I, I think there's probably something to that. And uh, I don't blame Palau for taking a swing at, at the Chinese and, you know, back them down, back them down. Certainly. Yeah. So we need to do that. We need really do. And, 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 and they're trying to bribe the rest of the world, but they're trying to bribe India and all these places with roadways and expressways. And we're going to build your I infrastructure. Wish, it's just a bribe. I I wish they'd build one through uh, Citrus County right near our property. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to make a deal with them, but uh, Governor DeSantis said, no, you can't. No Chinese expressways in Florida, no. You know, I I, I don't have a problem with it as long as my real estate goes up. (laughs) Yeah, because that's America, Doc. That's America. How am I doing on the real estate value? You do well. I don't know how you're doing. Oh, I'm doing real well. We're coming back slowly. Yeah. So I, I'm going to put this up at halftime. It's a picture of me on the uh, one-year-old baby on the Kentucky Department of Health bulletin that my mother had me and my sister pose at different times, and it was in April 1950, and I was born in February of 49. So I was what a year and three months, 13 months, no, 15 months, right? 14 months, somewhere in there. Cute kid. Oh, my gosh. What (laughs) happened to him? Where did he go? (laughs) He was a little cutie. Toehead, blonde. Oh, my God. I didn't get much of my father's coloring. You know, he was was, uh, very Jewish-looking, dark-complected, black hair, and he could go out in the sun all day and all night and never have a skin cancer. And, you know, I look at the sun, and I've got things popping up on me. So yeah, I have the same problem. I can't go on the sun very much, and, and that's a big problem here in Florida for guys like you and me. Yeah, it's a big problem. At any rate, so mom actually uh, started her career. Well, she was on staff at the uh, University of Louisville School of Medicine as uh, a, a junior assistant associate professor, whatever. After she graduated, she graduated from medical school in 1942. And she uh, was one of three women in her class. I thought it was only two, but I looked at her yearbook. And there actually was a Jewish girl from Berlin who obviously had escaped. And uh, she was also in the class. So three women in the class. That was pretty good. That surprises yeah. me that there were three women in there at that well, time, at that time in history. One, I know, could understand, but three. How's that stuff? You know, the, the, the women's movement doesn't want you to know that women have been involved. You know, they want you to think that they're poor underdogs and they— Believe me, I'm I'm living with a little woman, and she's no underdog. She <laughs> kicked my butt any day of the week, and she does, thankfully. Uh, well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> hey, tell her the bloody nose story. I'm sure she'll stop picking on you. Oh no, she'll probably kick me in the nose. <laughs> 
she can get her foot up there and she can kick me right in the face. She can kick over my head and she's five feet tall. Wow. How does she, how does she do that? She, I mean, right over my head, she can go. Very nimble. Yes. Very athletic little thing. So that's my wife. And, oh, I sent her a, a jib-jab card this morning. It's really cute. Uh, it's uh, it's a song. I'll, I'll give you the gist of it for, for Mother's Day. It's, it's uh, Basically, it's, I don't know how I, I got you. You're a 10 and I'm a 6. I don't go to the gym. I'm not buff. Uh, I fart and I snore. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a slob and all this. But I've never gone out with your girlfriend, and I've never been with a hooker. <laughs> So I must be doing something right. <laughs> I make up for it with loyalty. That's right. That's right. Loyalty counts. It counts. It does. It's yeah. Big deal. And uh, but tell you what, my mother, she was, she was loyal to a fault. She really. I mean, I don't know why she put up with me all those years. Because you were because you were Billy. I was her Billy boy. That's right. And <laughs> God, I remember. I must have been a senior in high school, and those were the days when when. You could go up to a, a local restaurant and, and pay somebody in the back to bring you out a six-pack of beer. You know, you were 17, and you, you couldn't drink until you were 21 in, in Kentucky. Statute of limitations is up on that, so I'm okay. And uh, so, you know, I came in. I was pretty drunk, and she was waiting up for me, and she had a nose like a bloodhound, and she's sniffing. <laughs> she said, Billy Handelman, you're drunk. I said, I am not. Get out of my way, woman. <laughs> Barf all over. Oh, good. <laughs> and she just shook her head and went to bed, and I stumbled somewhere and went to sleep. I don't remember what happened after that. <laughs> I told you the story about the time she came back from a trip when, uh, when I was in high school, and we'd had a little party. They were gone for the weekend, Mom and Dad, and I think my sister was already at college and my little sisters, she farmed them out to somebody else. So I was there all alone. So we had a party and, uh, on Saturday and then Sunday morning, we all got up and we cleaned all the beer bottles and liquor bottles out from under the sofa, opened the windows and, you know, uh, mopped and swept and wiped and did everything we could to get rid of any, any, evidence and so mom comes in and she looks around the kitchen she looks up above the stove or the oven and she says billy you had a party here i said i did not mom and i had won these three statues of jesus mary and joseph at the uh at the uh, festival at, at sacred heart you know how we had, used to have all those festivals to make a little money for the schools and so <laughs> i had we had put those i've given them to mom and we put them up on top of the of the uh oven there was a little ledge up there and peter mccarthy in a, in a drunken state walked over to them and said oh jesus mary and joseph you shouldn't see what's going on here and he turned them all around to face the wall and she came in and saw that <laughs> and she said that is a party <laughs> wow her 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 ability to deduce <laughs> from the yeah. minor of from the, just the minor of clues you know just minor clues. She she didn't miss anything. I'd, I'd watch her when I was a kid, and she'd come into a room, and she'd scan it back and forth. Her eyes would go back maybe 20, 30 times until she had memorized everyone and everything in the room. She was a unique human being. I don't know how she did it. At any rate, well, mom, was, moms have, a, you know, the eyes in the back of their head. I mean, it's just, They do. They do, and, yeah. And, uh, and, you know, they also want you to wash your hands. I know your mother never said that to you. Oh, no, never. 
no, no. And of course, being a, the child of a doctor, I got it over and over and over. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so at any rate. Now, my uh, mom used to lock me out of the house when she washed the floors in summer. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? You my can't mom, come in until the floors are dry. <laughs> okay. You know what my mom would do? We moved out to a, a subdivision that was basically just the country, a brand new subdivision. And so we would go, there was a creek and all kinds of places to get muddy. And so we'd go down there and get all sloppy. And she wouldn't let us in the house until she hosed us in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so she'd hose us down. And then we'd have to go into the laundry room, which was on, on the first, on the basement floor. And we have to strip down, and so here's all these little kids all running around with their underwear on, <laughs> sopping wet and cold, and, and towels flying, and oh, it was really a ball. It was a great time of life. She was a lot of fun. She did a lot of good things with us. Uh, sleigh riding, ice skating, you know, all, all kinds of wonderful uh, sports. And She actually played basketball on the, uh, on the Steubenville High School team. <laughs> I don't know what they... And she couldn't have been much more than a guard because like five feet tall. I mean, yeah, you're not you're not going to be a center, that's for sure. No, yeah. no, not unless you got legs like a kangaroo. Well, yeah. And you, she started her career with the uh, Kentucky State Department of Health. She was in charge of uh, uh, maternal and and uh, child welfare and health, and so she brought health care to parts of Kentucky, uh, neonatal and uh, prenatal care and um, immunizations to parts of Kentucky that had never seen a doctor or even seen any kind of health care, so uh, organized health care. So she was quite a woman, and she drove all over the state doing it. And she finally quit when she ran off the road one night, fell asleep, and almost killed herself. And she had four little kids at home, and she thought, you know, this isn't going to work. What I want to know is, when did she find the time to have all these damn kids? <laughs> <laughs> Where we all come from, anyway. I think I think they actually went out and just adopted us. I think she was home a couple of nights, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got to take a break, Doc. We're getting late here. We're 9.33, so let's uh, go get some coffee. Right, what do you think? Take a break, and uh, I'll put up my uh, baby photo during the break, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. And I'm Dr. Bill. I'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. China's space agency says a core segment of its biggest rocket has re-entered Earth's atmosphere today over the Indian Ocean above the Maldives and has hit the ocean without hurting anybody. It was said most of the debris burned up early in the morning. The official Xinhua News Agency says re-entry occurred about 1024 Beijing time. People in Jordan, Oman, and Saudi Arabia posted footage on social media of the debris streaking across the sky. Elsewhere, a string of lights that lobbed across the night sky in parts of the U.S. over three nights earlier this past week had callers frantically calling TV stations from Texas to Wisconsin. A string of lights, though, was actually a series of relatively low-flying satellites, authorities say. And Russian President Vladimir Putin, uh, Putin rather, has marked the anniversary of the end of World War II in Europe today. This is SRN News. I am Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of CanCare, 727-384-6411. 
877-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. With social distancing and sheltering in place, telemedicine is here. Bay Area Medical Home of Can Care Clinic offers telemedicine for new and established patients. You can see me without an office visit. Schedule an appointment at 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. When it's time for your appointment, type this web address into your cell phone or computer web browser, doxy.me forward slash Bay Area Med. A cell phone works well and is all you really need. For computers, you need a web camera and speakers. We'll give you this address when you call for your appointment. We accept most insurances and travel insurances. Canadians and visitors, please call your travel insurance company for an authorization number prior to the visit. Co-pays and deductibles apply. Self-pay rates are available. Just ask. We accept credit cards, PayPal, and Stripe. 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill here. My friends at St. Pete MRI and Sleep Diagnostics are your best choice for state-of-the-art MRI, CT, and sleep studies. Quality unsurpassed. 25 years experience makes St. Pete MRI my go-to imaging center. Self-pay rates are competitive and out-of-pocket costs a fraction of a hospital. Conveniently accessible from both sides of the bay at 750 94th Avenue North, St. Pete, near the Gandhi, 727-577-2220, 727-577-2220. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Let's be honest. The first thing you do when you get to your job you hate is play on your phone. Why continue to waste away? We all know there's something better out there than doom scrolling. At National Aviation Academy, you can learn to work on and maintain aircraft in as little as 14 months. Call 800-659-2080 or visit wingmenwanted.com. Leave the clickbait and job behind you. It's time for a career. For more information about our statistics, visit naa.edu slash consumer dash information. AM 860, The Answer. Online at theanswertampa.com. Odyssey. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast. Mostly sunny skies for today, more humid with a high of 90. Partly cloudy tonight with a low 75. Partial sunshine for Monday with a high of 90. And Tuesday, sun and clouds with a thunderstorm in parts of the area and a high 90. Plan with confidence this spring. Download the redesigned AccuWeather app today. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Gregory Patrick for AM860, The Answer. My mama told me, she said, son, please beware. There's this thing called love, and it's uh, everywhere. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill and, and uh, Cornelius Brothers and Sister Rose playing a little music there for us. We love it. So... 
we're celebrating Mother's Day and my great mother who uh, was born in Steubenville, Ohio, if you haven't heard the story. And uh, also born there was Dean Martin. And they both went to the same high school. My mother was a few years older. So Dean was uh, probably four or five years behind her, but he dropped out after a sophomore year. Mom was uh, the valedictorian of her class. She was the star of her senior play. And uh, even though Steubenville's a small town, I don't think it's much more than twenty or 30,000 people now, Ken. Did she uh, date the quarterback? She sounds like one of those women who just did everything. Well, she did everything. And, you, you know, the, the, the story is that her father was a, a Polish immigrant, and he never bothered to learn to speak much English, just enough to order a beer. And it runs in the family. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> uh, her mother died in her 40s from, I think, from complications of pneumonia. And my mother was a teenager then. She was 16. And her older sister actually died. Her and her older sister, one of her older sisters, would go clean houses to make some money. And she's also studying and playing sports and doing everything. So she was always active. She always was up to something. And her sister fell out of a second-story window and broke her neck and died. So uh, her oldest sister, her father, had married off to one of his friends. You know, that was back in the days of when you still had arranged marriages. And uh, so she was the oldest girl in the house. And her father said, well, you have to stay home now. You have to quit school. You have to take care of the house. And course the, the the state law in Ohio was you had to go to school till you were 18 and she was only 16 so my mother pitched a fit and got the uh, got the school involved the truant officer came over and said if you don't let your daughter go to school we're going to arrest you and put you in jail and uh, I guess somebody translated that into Polish for him and he understood <laughs> he got that <laughs> so so she finished high school she actually uh, went to Kent State and did a two-year associate degree in English, and then she taught English for a few years to save some money in a, in a high school. And uh, then she saved her money, finished college, and she got a, a partial scholarship to the University of Louisville, and she graduated in 1942 from the University of Louisville Medical School. She stayed in Louisville and did her, her uh, internship, well, actually, she did her internship in uh, New Orleans at the old public health hospital there, I mean, at the old... Uh, a charity hospital there, and I followed her footsteps somewhat and did my internship at the public health hospital in New Orleans, and I did a rotation at charity. And I told you this before, Ken, I asked her how she was treated. She said, they treated me like a queen, Billy. She, she said when she was doing her internship, everybody took care of her. All the women huddled around her. She had food. Her bed was always made. There was always a fresh change of scrubs for her and, uh, you know, toothpaste and soap and everything she needed. Uh, whatever women use, I don't know. But I guess back then they put the the uh, put the rubber hair head hair thing over their on their head. You know what do you call that? A shower cap. A hair cap. Yeah, right. Remember oh, the shower cap. Shower cap. Yeah, because yeah. they didn't wash their hair all the time. You know, the the women they have a different way of working with their hair. I don't know. I don't get it. But uh, I mean, I'm so greasy. I have to wash at least three times a day. <laughs> that is greasy, though. <laughs> that is that's bad. It's bad. I'm telling you. So at any rate, so she did her internship, and then she came back to Louisville and did a residency in pediatrics and uh, was board certified in pediatrics. And my crazy father uh, went into pediatrics because he was in love with her. Really? <laughs> well. So he And he hated kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's love. That's devotion. He chased her till she gave up. She had been married before, and her first husband, 
a guy named Rotunda, he was another doctor. He died uh, also from pneumonia. And uh, so, so mom was uh, childless and single. And here's this crazy Jew from New Jersey that's pestering the crap out of her. And uh, he was 5'7", so I guess the, the height was close, you know, 5'7", five, 5'0". Five At any rate, she succumbed to his, his ill wishes, and, and then the four of us came after that. But uh, she remained active in the medical school for a few years, and then she went and worked for the state. And when she quit the state, she went to work for the county health department. She, was, uh, she, she believed in uh, socialized medicine. And, uh, you know, the, all the programs that we're pushing now that are all new, they were all there then. They were all there then. Aid to, fam aid to families with dependent children, that was back in the 50s they were doing that. She was on three presidential committees on youth and child welfare, and she even chaired one. And I've got a letter from Vice President Barkley, who was a vice president under Harry Truman after he got elected the second time, you know, the first time. The, his first term was filling out Roosevelt's term because Roosevelt died in office, but he got elected. Remember, and he beat uh, Dewey beats. Remember, Dewey beats Truman. What a wrong headline that was for the Chicago yeah. Tribune or whichever one it was. Chicago. Yeah. Well, you know those Chicagoans. At any rate, <laughs> <laughs> can't do anything right up there, can we? No, they can't. But they, I don't. How they grow that city so big? Oh my God! And it actually has working uh, traffic lights and um, and, and, and the, the miracle mile is beautiful it's gorgeous i love that area yeah but don't go too far west <laughs> or south or south that's true you go north all you want but yeah. we'll go south of the park yeah stay between the park and uh um the, i would say the i think it's the soldier field don't go any farther south than soldier field actually soldier field yeah, yeah you yeah, you can go a little bit south of the park. When I think of the park, I think of I think of the uh, uh, Field Museum and Soldier Field, and uh, that's all kind of one big complex there. Yeah, Grant Park and all that. I felt a little uncomfortable in Grant Park. I, I wasn't sure if they would allow rebels up there, but <laughs> you nobody... know, there's, there's a statue of Lincoln in Grant Park, and in Lincoln Park, there's a statue of Grant. Do you think it was just a paperwork uh, follow up? Yeah, what's what is this? I don't know. Is this Chicago being Chicago? <laughs> it's it's strange, but oh, the museum, the Field Museum is wonderful, and uh, the, Chicago uh, has great museums. If you're going to Chicago, go to the museums. Go to the museums, and the uh, the aquarium is wonderful. Yep. And they have those, those beluga whales, and they'll come up and kiss the glass to say hello to you. It's really cute. Dolphin shows the whole bit. Yeah. Yeah. At any rate, so you know, mom, she came home from the state, and she went to work for the county, being a good socialist, uh, believing in and uh, medical equity and all that. And this was back in the 50s now. So, you know, all these people that say, oh, we're doing something really new and great. You know, my mother was doing this stuff when I was a baby. So if your mom was live today, would she be working for Bernie Sanders? I um, think she'd be pushing for it. She probably would. She hated every Republican president. OK, I didn't know she was that. <laughs> oh, she was. Her and dad did accept Ike because they thought that uh, Adley Stevenson was a, was a kind of a nerd, and they, they didn't think much of Another him, Chicagoan, but, by the way, Adley Stevenson. Yes, so. another one, yeah. And, <laughs> you know, Adley was one of the, one of the young communists in, in FDR's cabinet back in the 30s, and, and he, I guess he morphed into more of a socialist over time. Yeah, because he was a um, U.N. ambassador for Kennedy, I think, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So somewhere but he changed I, his stripes. 
Yep. But, you know, mom was, she was a diehard uh, left winger. And I don't know where I came from. They were both left wingers, but she was really, oh, you know, Reagan was making everybody homeless and, and Bush got us into war and Bush too got us into more war. And, you know, they just were all bad men. And Nixon was a bad man. And, what about Johnson? It's <laughs> a little war called the Vietnam War that he had a huge hand in. He and Kennedy both, really. Oh, I know. Well, you know, they, well, they, my mother loved Kennedy, needless to say. My father was, he voted for Kennedy, I'm, I'm sure, but I'm sure he was a little iffy because of all the changes in, in medicine. And, you know, mom was working for the city or the, or the state or the county or the state, so she got a paycheck no matter what. But dad was in private practice, so, you know, the, the medical uh, economics that were laid down by uh, the Democrats in the 1960s certainly uh, had an indirect effect on my father and his income. So he was a little worried about that, but he still voted for Kennedy and Johnson. And, and you know, they were conflicted about Lyndon Johnson because the whole country was at that time. Uh, I don't well, know. Well, he was you're forced old, on the country, you know. So. I, I don't know if you remember all of the details of it, but we, we basically escalated our involvement there without, uh, Kennedy or Johnson really having any sense of, of how the war was being run. And he finally sent McNamara over to the Pentagon and sat down with people. Johnson did. And McNamara came back and said, they don't have a, they don't have a plan. They don't have an exit plan. They don't have a, a win plan. It's just a, it's, it, it, they, they just want a war. And so that really started cascading the whole chaos that, that occurred in the late sixties with the anti-war movement. And uh, my parents were, opposed to the war after a while, but at the same time, they, they, they really, I mean, Lyndon Johnson passed more social legislation than any president in history. He, he really did. You well, know, the whole he, great society thing. Yeah. Yeah. Great society, Medicare and Medicaid came in and, uh, beefed up social security and the civil rights act of 64, 65 was finally pushed through by by Lyndon Johnson, he was a he, he was a Lincoln-esque kind of guy that he he would go and you know he'd say to people, "I'm the most powerful man in the world, and you're going to do what I tell you, or else," and scare the hell out of. And him. he was imposing. He was like six seven or something like that. He's a big guy. He was six two or three. Six yeah. two or three. Was that it was all right? Yeah. yeah, he. Our our tall presidents were uh, Lyndon Johnson, Kennedy, uh, uh, of course George Washington. And Lincoln was pretty tall, I think. Lincoln was yeah. tall. He was probably the tallest. And uh, Jefferson was tall. I think Bill Clinton was over six foot. And Barack Obama was certainly over six foot. So we've had some pretty tall guys in the White House. Uh, do you think and, it's uh, psychological? We, America votes for the tallest guy? When the women do. What are you, yeah. crazy? <laughs> 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 I mean, what woman did not vote for JFK? Tell me. Good if you point. Had a yeah. Woman in that generation, when you had Nixon on the other side, I mean, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know, Nixon was more experienced, and uh, he was uh, actually a smarter guy, but just a little bit of a his personality disorder overwhelmed him later in life. Yeah. Any rate, so but I mean, Kennedy, uh, oh, you know, Camelot, and oh, and Jackie was gorgeous, you know, and he, oh, yeah, and everybody was just he was a president on. for television. I mean, he really was the first president that I think television elected. And, 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 you know, the whole world loved him. The whole world loved Kennedy. They, I mean, I, 
I, mean, I think even the Russians, even though they hated the United States, I think they, they were enamored with him. The Canadians, the British, I mean, it was like we had Queen Elizabeth and, and the prince, uh, only the reverse, you know, the king and yeah. the princess had ascended to the White House. Oh, my gosh. Even though the way he got into office is questionable. Questionable? <laughs> <laughs> Same thing that happened this past election. He stole it. But especially in Chicago. Mayor Daley arranged uh, that election just fine. He did. And uh, several cemeteries, I hear, voted. Oh, Had many. Democratic votes. Twice. Several... <laughs> Twice. <laughs> Yeah, you you take your ID and go to one polling station and then get another ID and go to another Absolutely. one. Absolutely, and get paid for it by somebody, you know. Ken, how did those dead people get to the polls? That's what I want to know. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic Chicago. I love it. <laughs> I love it, man. So, and, you know, the city actually ran pretty well back in those days. I know a lot of people were making a lot of money, in, you know, under the oh. table, but the city ran pretty well. Everybody's palm was greased. Yeah, everybody, right. Everybody, you know, the mafia, the the pasta guys, the, the, the pasta garbage guys. man, <laughs> the, the ward uh, bosses. Everybody got a got a piece of the all action. the construction guys, the unions. Everybody was in on it. And everybody was happy, and everybody, everybody did their job, and everything worked fine. The kind of way the way New Orleans has always worked. Everybody gets a little, you know, if you send two billion down there, eventually some of it trickles down even to the guy on the street. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little sad, but it's the way it works, you know. Uh, well, apparently. Yeah. And uh, so my parents, my father would say, well, you know, just give them their cut, talking about the government. And when I'd say, aren't you tired of paying 35 40 45% income taxes? And I'd just give them their cut. You know, they're like the mafia. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, exactly. <laughs> just give it to them, and they'll, they'll if there's they'll a war, they'll you. Yeah. <laughs> but mom was truly... She was truly a committed socialist, and uh, you know I admired her for that and respected her for that. And she. Where had did your time. views come from? How did you become diametrically opposed? Pretty much. Uh, well, I didn't go into public service, so I wasn't on the on the government teat, and I had to make my own way. And I've started several practices and little businesses and stuff. Not that I'm any great businessman, but you know I've had the experience. I've had to make payroll, and I've had to. Uh, uh, deal with all the things that uh, being a, a little businessman has to deal with. Government red tape and all that, yeah. Uh, everything, and you know, and it just it's, some of the things are so stupid. It's just, I, Ken, you can't believe how regulated we are. We are the most regulated industry, medicine. We are so regulated. And it's got to cost even... everybody money, right? I mean, it's got to cost money. Yeah, and you know, well, yeah, but it creates jobs, which is well, good. Well. Socialist. But, you know, uh, the, uh, the the number of, of rules and regulations that we live by. We live we actually live by a different set of, of legal laws, too. Did you know that? Doctors, that I didn't know. Why? How? Well, I mean, we, we can, if, if we're convicted of a felony, we lose our, our medical license. That's statute. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And if you, if, and things you can lose your medical license for are uh, uh, gross negligence, um, having sex with a patient, uh, being drunk and derelict on duty. I mean, there's a number of things that they can get you for. Felonies, any felony, any felony. And you're no longer a doctor, just like that, huh? It's like that. You'll go before the state board and they'll say, sorry. And 
and you know, people say, well, well, you you govern yourselves, you doctors. No, we don't. What are you talking about? We've got all these committees. So like at our little hospital, we have to have utilization review, which is run by the women, by the nurses and the uh, the uh, uh, junior executives at the hospital. Of course, you have a doctor on the committee or two, but uh, we have to follow the rules and regs that are set down by JCO and the government. Uh, we have a quality committee and peer review committees. And all this goes through, guess what, goes through the the employees at the hospital first, and then it comes up to the committee. And, and then if it's egregious enough, we send it forward to the executive committee, which is uh, the doctor's committee. And then if the outcome is not the way the hospital wants it, they'll take it to the uh, to the board of, of trustees, which is the governing board of the hospital and can override the med executive committee. And if it's egregious enough, then we have to report it to the national practitioner data bank. And then that goes to the state and then the state looks at it and it's not doctors that are looking at all this immediately. It's, uh, it's nurses and lawyers basically that are reviewing all of our cases and our charts to see what we've done wrong. And then the lawyers pick it up and they say, well, we don't think it meets the test, so we're not going to send it on to the to the medical board. But if it does meet the test, guess what? They send it on to the medical board. The medical board says, yay or nay, you're in or you're out, or you're disciplined, or your license is suspended until uh, you know this is cleared up, or your license is suspended for five years because of your felony charges for DUI. Let's see if you can stay sober. And so it's it's a big deal and. Uh, you know, my mom kept her nose clean until later in life. And then I think she'd had enough of us all. And she started drinking a little bit, but that's okay. She deserved to have a little downtime after all she put up with. Poor thing. She had to deal with my father and me. <laughs> <laughs> and I asked her one time, I said, mom, what do you think of the women's movement? She said, Billy, I never understood it. I wanted to be a doctor. I became a doctor. Nobody stopped me. So. But my sisters, you know, they're all, oh, Billy had an unfair advantage. He, boys are treated different than girls, which is probably true. But, you know, I mean, you can't treat everybody the same, Ken. I mean, That's it doesn't right. work. We tried that, you know. It just doesn't work. So we got the Cornelius brothers and Sister Rose coming in in the background here. Got about and, a minute uh, left, Doc. A minute. So, yeah. Got a minute left? Yeah, give you a, promote the gel. All right, the gel. Oh, the gel. Listen, we're getting close to the end of the study, so if you want to come in, we're at 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. And the gel is antifungal. It's for your toenails. You can use it on your fingernails. I actually have been using it on, on skin rashes, too, Ken. It works that? Okay. It works. It's off-label use. But once we get this on the market, Ken, we're going to be big, baby. You and me, we're going national. All right. Can't wait. So come on in, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. All the nail gel you want for free, free mugs with Dr. Bill on it. Nice mugs, too. Did I send you one, Ken? Do you have one of my mugs? I did not get one of your mugs. We'll work on the details. The station. Or I'll give one to Mary to carry back next time she's over. 15 seconds, Doc. Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> See you guys later. Thanks for being on the show. Happy. Bye bye, buddy. Thank you for listening to Dr. Bill, your radio MD.
Join Dr. Bill every Sunday morning at 9 for more insight, information, provocation, and fun. Dr. Bill Handelman practices in St. Petersburg, Florida at Bay Area Medical Can Care Clinic, 6399 38th Avenue North. For your convenience, telemedicine appointments are available. Call his office today at 727-384-6411. That's 727-384-6411. Or visit his website at Can Care Clinic. 